Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your hosts, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, we review the Sabbath School quarterly lesson about the Bible as history for Sabbath, June 6. This week, we review the Bible as history. Let's learn about the historicity of the Bible. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word. Together, we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. The Bible as history. Uh, the memory text today is uh, coming from Exodus 20, verse 2, and also Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You know, I, I was asking myself, why would the authors choose this? But I think we're talking about the Bible as history. And they wanted us to realize that the Exodus was not this thing that was made up. It was an actual event. And he wanted them to remember history, just as we're called to remember history as well as pertaining to the Bible. And I I like the word history itself, you know, his story. So whose story are we talking about? We're talking about God's story, uh, God's involvement, engagement with uh, humanity. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I I remember hearing you say that before, and every time you say it, it just reminds me of, of definitely that we are privileged and honored to actually be a part of God's story, and yeah. he wants to be a part of our story. And I, I think this is, you know, a disclaimer right from the very uh, beginning, because, you know, history, um, from a human perspective, we talk about our accomplishments as a society, uh, culturally great people who are powerful, powerful kings, people that are rulers, military people. Um, but for, for God and the story of Scripture, it's about salvation history. And at times, they that those different aspects of the wider culture of humanity may uh, interface, and so we may see records of other kings and stuff like that. But God's not primarily concerned with that. God's concerned about sharing the message of salvation and yet, as that story in the biblical record, there's still enough uh, evidence that's there to show us that the Bible is reliable, that it's credible, that we can believe. This is not some uh, fairy, ta- uh, fairy tale that's been made up. This is, this is God interacting with real human beings across time and space. Yeah. You know, um, he's, he's done absolutely everything as possible to save mm-hmm. as many as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I'm going through the book of, of Genesis right now, it just reminds me of how flawed human beings have been, will forever be, and yet how flawless God is and still loves us. Absolutely. Well, what a great lesson to continue our series, uh, you know, on how to interpret the scripture, um, looking at the Bible as a historical document. Yeah. Is there historical evidence, Buster? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, speaking of which, Sunday's lesson is talking about David, Solomon, and the monarchy. And First Samuel 17, my kids know this backwards and forward. I've, I had to reenact it with them. I don't know how, how many, many times. times, Buster. Yeah, I I can't count. I've, I've fallen down so many times. My back hurts right now because as of yesterday, my daughter asked me to play Goliath. Again, huh? It makes me feel good because I'm not a very tall person. So to her, I'm a giant though, you know, so it's, it's great. You take it, right? Yeah. But there's something that happens here, which is First um, Samuel 17, 1 through 3, talks about the side of Kerbet. Uh, pronounce that again, Michael. I don't know if I can. I, I, I'm now. I'm, I'm afraid, but uh, Kirbet Kayafa, I think, is how you say. There it. There we go. Yes, whatever <laughs> you say. <laughs> but uh, it talks about how archaeology yeah. uh, ties in with the Bible and is able to find something about the Davidic uh, 
uh, the Vedic reign. Uh, it said that they found uh, records of his victory over the king of Israel and the king of the house of David. And so right there, uh, people have, in the past have said King David wasn't a real person. He didn't actually exist. And archaeology is finding uh, evidence saying, well, think again, look again. And yeah. and so how wonderful is it that archaeology ties in with history to show us that not only is the Bible real, but it also shows that God is real mm-hmm. and God can be trusted. Well, and I, I hope, you know, some of our listeners may, may not be really uh, uh, attuned to the, the fact that, you know, two, three decades ago, this was a, one of the major criticisms of the Bible was that, you know, was there really a historical David? And a lot of people were saying, well, he's a sort of a fictional person, sort of like uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, you know, yeah. so this sort of uh, mythology that developed in ancient England and, and it's sort of this wishful thinking of the past and maybe there was a historical person, but we don't really know and probably actually really never did exist. And that's kind of <laughs> how people, uh, scholars, most scholars are probably, uh, you know, taking a critical look at the Bible saying, well, really, there's no solid historical evidence that a King David really exists. Where is it? Where is a King David, uh, let alone Solomon and the whole monarchy? Where, where did that exist in uh, the archaeological record? And that's where I think this is interesting because our lesson is co-authored by uh, two cousins, Frank and Michael Hazel. But Michael Hazel is doing some great archaeological work, and he was the one that discovered uh, Kirbet Kaiafa in wow. Israel, and and the process of going through that found the basically the location of the Battle of David and Goliath, and and so we've had to rewrite our understanding archaeologically of the biblical record. And during that time, the last two decades, there's been at least I can think of two major finds, and I think there's even been some more since then, uh, pointing to the fact that there was a actual King David of Israel. So now we have archaeological solid archaeological evidence but if you can imagine them actually finding let's just say you know for the sake of the analogy uh a king arthur and his round table imagine if they actually found an archaeological site <laughs> like that in england right they, they would make it a national park oh, right yeah, yeah absolutely it would be celebrated yeah. Yeah. It would become a major tourist site right of course um and so you can see why israel having discovered solid evidence of a real king david they've made that a national park in the in, in the state of Israel, so you can go there now today and visit uh, Kirbet Kaiafa, the story where basically you know that's that's the fort uh, where Saul and his men were in the biblical account, and of course it's the valley below somewhere in that valley um, that, that matches that took place. exactly. Wow, that's you know it's amazing, and uh, this kind of leads us into our, our next section, which is Isaiah, Hezekiah, and Sennacherib. Yeah. And so, Michael, share with us a little bit about that. Well, again, you know, um, examples of the historicity of, of real life examples of uh, biblical events. And, and one of those that we can really date um, is recorded for us in Isaiah chapters 36 and 37, uh, where the uh, Assyria basically invades Sennacherib, uh, invades Judah. And so we have, we can date that. We know when that happened, 701 BC. And as you go through the archaeological remains across Israel, you can see that there are destruction layers, obviously from this Assyrian king who goes and destroys all these cities. And so, um, and one of the best examples of that is Lachish, uh, which is, you know, today we 
you know, we know Dallas, Fort Worth, yeah. right? You of know course. what New York City, San Francisco. If you lived in the biblical world, Lachish would have been one of the big mega cities of the ancient um, ancient Israel. Yeah, everyone knew Lachish. It's a big city, and it was sieged and destroyed um, at uh, by Sennacherib. And it's interesting. There's even this relief that shows a picture that we have uh, that has been preserved of the and you can just google this our listeners if they're wanting to see it you can just google Sennacherib and please please google it. it's really neat yeah yeah and you see this whole relief wall describing these battle scenes and, and the city was unfortunately tragically destroyed so uh and and so here is just another example of the historicity of the bible the bible really did exist with real people real you know it's talking about battles these are not fictional battles this really destroyed a a city and a lot of people died wow you know what once again archaeology uh the bible history us actually looking into these things and it's you know what i love about archaeologists they're not going saying i'm going to look for stuff that proves the proves my point no, they go d- digging saying, I want to find out the truth. Yeah. And the thing is, the Bible is the truth. And so when they're digging these things up, they're proving their, they're proving not, not their point, but they're proving God's point, which is everything that I've said can be trusted. Yeah. You have to be able to show. I mean, this is what I, I, I love about Lachish and I love about uh, 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 Kirbet Kayafa is, is you have sometimes some very secular archaeologists, sometimes even atheists that they, they have. So it's not like they have an agenda. They, they're looking at the facts that the archaeological records show us the money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what about Daniel Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon? It, you know, uh, once again, in 2007, a scholar from the University of Vienna was working a project. And once again, they found this tablet uh, in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. On the tablet, he found this name, Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, I want to try this one more time. You're on your own. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, right? <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, it, <laughs> if you're looking on page 83 of your Sabbath school lesson, uh, you you can see that name. But basically, it is one of the names of individuals that were actually in Babylon, and it's showing that the line and lineage of Nebuchadnezzar's actually were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the significance of, of this is once again, uh, people were saying that oh, th- this is once again a fictional point. Uh, Daniel was uh, a fictional character, right? Uh, no, these were actual people that were real, and you can see it in history. But also, uh, what I love about this lesson is that not it's just about history and archaeology, but it's also spiritual. Mm. And they're asking what was uh, significant about Daniel's uh, place in Babylon. And we see in Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 5, Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel made some wonderful decisions to follow God no matter what. And we see that there in Daniel chapter 4, hmm. there is a Babylonian king who was converted because he saw the power of God. Now, he, he was acted like a wild animal for seven years first, but <laughs> uh, he came to know the God, the true God, and actually has a portion of the Bible written uh, by a king of Babylon yeah. because he recognized who God was. And these are real characters. These are real people. And it's a call for us to stand for what's right, but also a call for us to look back on history and know history and know archaeology as well. So you're telling me, uh, Buster, Daniel and all these kings that he interacted with, they're real people. Yes, yes, they're, they're real people. Uh, matter of fact, here, uh, back here, uh, 
I think your kids are, are, are in there right now. <laughs> uh, there's this uh, uh, archaeological dig that uh, Dr. Uh, Lloyd Willis did. Mm. And there's a king by the name of Ballas. And he found, when he was digging, a thing called a ballast seal. And people said Ballas wasn't a real king. He, he didn't exist. And he found a coin with his name and face on there. And so, once again, archaeology is all around. It shows us that these things are real. These things are true. You know, I was talking to Dr. Michael Hosel one time, a little shout out to our Sabbath school co-author, and uh, he was telling me, and we were traveling through Israel and visiting some of these places like Lachish and others. He said, you know, uh, of all the known archaeological sites, they've excavated less than 1%. And so if you can realize, just imagine if 2,000 years from now, if they only had knew 1%, say all of our other records were destroyed and only had, what would they know about our lives today, you know, Buster, and and if they had only been able to find one percent of all the of the material that that we have in our lives around us, what would they be able to deduce? What was happening here in Keene, Texas? You know, <laughs> maybe they'd say, "I think there was a there's a big mound there. I wonder what happened there." You know, <laughs> uh, so one percent, and we know so much about the Bible. Imagine if we could had explored five or even ten percent. How much more we'd even know? Wow, you know that that's. That just blew my mind right there. Uh, and it, it helps me, it, it makes me appreciative for the things that we do find. Yeah. And wishing that we could find more. Exactly. So now we're on to the historical Jesus. Uh, what is what is this part portion of the lesson talking about? Well, you know, there was a, a movement that really developed in the 1970s through the 80s um, that became quite popular. And that was to basically reconstruct, or deconstruct actually should be the right word, uh, the story of Jesus and the gospel. So, well, all of these miraculous kinds of things, they couldn't really happen. And maybe Jesus did, you know, calling into question, did Jesus actually really exist? Or again, is he perhaps some kind of, maybe he was a, a just an ordinary person who all of these myths kind of developed and kind of got out of control. And so how do we uh, go back? And so this historical Jesus movement was trying to kind of deconstruct Jesus into this um uh, at best, maybe a, a very ordinary person that, uh, anyways, um, the, the, really the, the bottom line here is, did Jesus actually exist? Was he a real person? Just like we're talking about um, King David and Daniel, was Jesus a real person? And that is uh, the point here. And, and there is solid archaeological evidence for the life of Jesus. In fact, um, the, the Jesus movement among scholars today is kind of becoming passe because there's just so much overwhelming evidence, you know. And, and there are still scholars that might call into question some of the miracles, you know, and things that Jesus did. But at least the historicity of Jesus, I think, yeah. now is, is, is pretty firmly established that even the most critical people out there are saying, well, there, there really was a Jesus. And so that's kind of the bottom line. And, and, and even more recently, uh, there have been uh, various uh, numerous inscriptions of people, everything from Pontius Pilate. Uh, to, and there's several other examples uh, in 1990 about the, and I remember when this was discovered, the, the tomb or the ossuary of um, uh, Joseph, the son of Caiaphas, again, pointing to an actual real Caiaphas as yeah. the high priest. Again, um, numerous, numerous examples uh, of confirming the, the historicity. There was an actual historical Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have the history behind this as well, because there was a historian back then who wrote down and transcribed quite a bit, uh, yeah, Josephus. That's right. And, and so we have that there as well. 
Uh, and I have to mention this, Michael, with in the light of everything that's been happening, uh, Time Magazine, I think it was Time Magazine, maybe not, you'll, you'll know it's what, what I'm talking about, but uh, they put up a picture of what what would Jesus actually have looked like back then? Ooh. And uh, they yeah. did a reenactment, or yeah. I guess you could say a reconfiguring mm-hmm. of uh depiction of the average man back mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. in Israel. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, it does not look like any of the pictures that we see up in modern churches. <laughs> you know, that's one of the probably the, one of the sad things is we tend to write the biblical and historical narratives back into our own image the way we want them to seem you know, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about, Buster. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 really unfortunate. We need to be more intentional and make sure that the way we portray, portray history and Jesus, I'm sure was there's no doubt was much darker skin than what a lot of people <laughs> might like to imagine him as. And that's okay. That's a yeah. good thing. And yeah. and uh, I think you know part of that is is Jesus. He came to minister to all races and cultures. He did. And, and and that's the thing. The reason why I brought that up was not to knock anyone down or to, to chastise you, but it's to realize that Jesus was an actual man. He was. On the cross, he bled. I mean, he was, he was actually in pain. Yeah. Uh, his heart was broken. Mm-hmm. He was hungry. He famished. He was cold. But he was someone that grew up in Israel. Yeah. Uh, and so there, therefore, you know, his, his skin looked like that. Yeah. But... It doesn't make him less of the Messiah to us. Exactly. It should bring us closer to him, uh, because uh, when he talk when he talks about in Hebrews chapter four uh, that that we have a high priest who has suffered and and knows what we're going through, we really do. And and yeah. so stop having this image of this glowing person who's always floating on air, and realize he was he was a he was a fully God and he was fully man. Yeah. And he knows what we're going through, but he is even now interceding on our behalf. Yeah, and regardless of the color of your skin, the blood of Jesus is yeah. needed for each and every one of us. You yeah, know, we all bleed red. We all bleed red. I like that, yeah. and, uh, and and I, I can't help it. You know, all the racial tension, some of the the challenges we're facing in our country right now. Um, this this is to me, and and it, so much of that is wrong. We need to stand up for those things that are wrong, injustices around us. But most of all, we need to um, keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Jesus. Uh, you know, I, I believe that as we go through that, um, Jesus wants us to stand up for those, uh, around us. Uh, I believe that God calls us to do that. And, uh, we need to recognize those wrongs and not just pretend they didn't exist, you know, um, and, and, and listen to those in our communities and speak up and, um, work towards, uh, making living christ-like lives you know yeah, what would jesus do in our midst right here right now right yeah you know i i recently read a quote and it's it's been sticking with me which is the question we ask of what would jesus do mm. he said let's bring it a little bit closer home he yeah. said what would jesus do if he were me wow and you know just that little twist there at the end yeah i uh, just realizes that jesus has a call upon each and every one of our lives and there's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak up. Yep. There's a time for, you know, there's a, just a time for so many different things. And God will lead us. Mm-hmm. But we need to ask us uh, that question. What would Jesus do if he were me? If Love he were it. my shoes. Yeah. Uh, so that finishes up here on Thursday with faith and history. Mm. And Hebrews 11. I, I love Hebrews chapter 11. But 1 through 40, it says, what lessons can we learn from these ancient heroes by studying their lives? And, you know, I was just reading about Enoch and and he walked with God for 365 days. And then he was taken. I was like, 
you know what? If a day is as a year, we're going to get into that next next chapter, right? right. <laughs> a year with God, right? Yeah. A year with walking with God. I'm, I'm thinking of sermons. I'll stop preaching right now. <laughs> but you have Noah, you have Abraham, you have Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Samson, all these people that were people that we learned that they had some they had some horrible character flaws, but at the same time, they strove to walk with God. Yeah. And it gives me hope, right? Because yeah. I'm looking at these people, I'm like, man, what's wrong with them? Why, Abraham, why did you lie twice about Sarah being your wife and yeah. uh, being your sister? And, yeah. and you realize, man, this is someone still who, who strove after God's heart. Wow. You know, and when I, the point you were just bringing out, Buster, you know, all these people are real people with mistakes, with flaws, with challenges in their lives. And I love how the Bible as a historical document doesn't record just all the high points, all their accomplishments. You know, they were king such and such and how powerful they were to God. That doesn't matter. No. You know, but what really matters uh, is their faith, their willingness to surrender their lives to Jesus Christ and to the extent that they did that. And all of them have, uh, you know, the biblical record records mistakes that they made, you know, and um, that gives me hope. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, is there anything else you want to say, Michael, before uh, before we finish up this week's lesson? Well, no, I, I think, uh, you know, really just uh, this is a, a well-rounded reminder of the historicity of the Bible. Um, I don't have all the answers. There are still yeah. questions that I have. You know, there are historical people and places that we don't know any, we don't have evidence for them. Yeah, but there's true. enough evidence that I find my faith uh, affirmed to say, hey, the Bible really is uh, what it says it is, is God's record of a love letter to me, to you, Amen. together, uh, that reminds us that that we can have faith and trust that, that God will work in our lives as well. You know, I, I can honestly say this, which is the Bible's track, track record has been much better than the world's track record. Hmm. And I will choose to trust God's record rather mm-hmm. than the world's and and there's a place for for both where the world will recognize what, that you know eventually mm-hmm. every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that jesus christ is lord and i choose to do that now and mm-hmm. i pray that others will, will join me in doing that well i guess that uh, wraps up another week of uh, soup and swoops we're signing, signing out. out as we put a wrap on this week's lesson this is campbell swoops signing off By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personable colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.